Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, and with us this morning, when I say us, I mean uh, Missouri State Representative Chuck Basie, Second Amendment supporter. He's on board. And, uh, of course, we've got Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. We've got a topic we're going to talk about uh, that uh, deals with the law. And then uh, Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. People from all over the world buy from Graffs. And they're right down the highway here in central Missouri in Mexico. Well worth the ride. But it's time for show and tell. And, uh, well, Garson, I'm going to let you start off. Are, are we going to talk about uh, the uh, AK? Yeah. So, yeah, first off, I'm going to talk about the AK. Uh, this is a Kalashnikov USA. Um, you'll hear people call them Kusas. Um, so, K-U-S-A. Um, so, it's 100% American-made AK-47. Um Actually, it's an AK-103, or a, a, a K-103, I guess, technically, is what the uh, official Russian model is. But it's an, it's an AK pattern gun, um, current current Russian military issue, um, but made in the USA and made as a semi-auto. Um, standard, um, standard fire control, standard, standard everything, really. Um, it's got the updated, the newer plastic furniture and the AK-74 style uh, muzzle brake. Um, so, um, and it's, it is the thicker, um, receiver. It's the three millimeter receiver, not the uh, one and a half millimeter receiver. So, um, made on the better receivers. Um, and it has the distinction of being a chrome lined hammer forged barrel. Um, you know, the last 10 years or so people have gotten away from, uh, chrome lined barrels and, um, but hammer forged barrels have stuck around, um, because, you know, Two of the largest manufacturers in the U.S. make all their guns using hammer forging, um, and then a lot of almost almost all the European guns you see are hammer forged barrels. Here you go, Daryl. Um, so um, extremely accurate and extremely durable barrels um, with the chrome lining and the hammer forging. Um, all around a great gun, um, and with AK even for the imported AK prices, um, you know you're looking at. 800 900 bucks for an imported AK. So for um, for a 1200 bucks you can get a US made AK. So support our economy instead of somebody else's country's economy. Well, the AK is just such a durable firearm. I mean, I I think you can throw it in a uh, sand pit and pull it out and it'll work. Yeah, and this one's it's got a decent trigger. The fit and finish on it is nice. Um there are, I don't know if this was from shipping or not, but there are a couple little rubs on it. Um, so if, if you're interested and, and the rubs are a deal breaker, we may be able to work with you on the price. Um, but this is brand new. We just got it in. Um, and 130-round uh, mag, um, regular sights. Um, cleaning rod, it's got, the, a lot of them you see don't come with a cleaning rod. Uh, my last AK did not come with a cleaning rod. Not that it's a huge deal breaker, but um, it was just a, Kind of, kind of funny to see that after having not seen them on a lot of AKs recently. Yeah, you know, it's, it really because I'm used to seeing them with the furniture, and they just normally don't look as I don't know what the term I guess polished as this does. This is a good looking AK. Yeah, they're they're pretty slick, um, and you know, like I said, it's it's US made, so um, support and warranty work will be handled here in the states, and it's not. You know, a company you'll never be able to get a hold of or get parts out of. So uh, that will uh, 
and, and by the way, uh, just because it's not in the store, it doesn't mean you can't reserve this. Uh, you pick up the phone, give them a call uh, with your credit card, and don't worry, they, they're, they're not tracking credit card sales yet, as far as we know. Uh, then uh, you can uh, you can reserve this. You can hang on to this, or maybe one just like it. Uh, where are we going next? Let's let's stick with the. Uh... Yeah, so I, we got you the gun, um, and the biggest complaint of AKs is mounting an optic to them. Um, you know, so the the Kalashnikov I was just talking about has the standard um, side plate for mounting one of the cantilevered scope mounts, and that works. Um, they're they're okay. They're a little tall, and you know, depending on the mount and optic combination you get, they're offset, so they're not sitting square over the bore. Um, well, uh, I found this company in Texas called Texas Weapon Systems that makes a new top cover for the AK pattern rifles. Um, they've got five different versions, so they have one for almost every variation of AK out there. Um, but this adds a um, a pretty heavy-duty aluminum top cover to the uh, AK and gives you a, a mil-spec Picatinny rail. Um, pretty slick. I was kind of skepti skeptical about the mounting system until I actually got one, and I have this uh, this one mounted on my own personal AK. Um, it's pretty slick. Uh, so you take out the rear sight, and um, that becomes the hard mounting point for the front of the top cover. And then the rear of the top cover is held in place by their own um, little dog leg release in the back. So it replaces the, the factory one on your gun. Um, and this thing, it mounts in pretty solid. I, I got my ACOG on there, and um, it's, it's, it's a lot more solid than I would have expected it to be for something that's not bolted down to the gun. Um, you know, so like DSA makes a FAL scope mount, and it's got like half a dozen, maybe ten screws to hold it in place. Um, and this actually uses one screw um, to hold the uh, the front mounting position in place. Um, so, cool thing is, um, to take this down, you push the button in on the rear like normal, flip up the top cover, and you can gain access to the internals of the gun. But, if you've got a big scope on here, it won't allow you to flip it forward. So they've actually got a quick uh, release detent, like an AR-15 detent in the front. So you can pop that off and just take the top cover off with the optic instead of having to remove the optic to uh, perform maintenance or um, work on the gun. So that's, That is really neat because that, uh, that solves, uh, kind of solves a problem yeah. that a lot of people... Now, most people are going to be like, well, you've you got to get rid of the rear sight. Um, they sell a nice ghost ring sight, and I've got that installed here on mine as well. Um, so I've got a ghost ring sight. So I've increased my sight radius by 8, 9 inches and turned it into a ghost ring instead of that bladed rear sight. And I like that a lot better. I'm actually thinking about running this gun without an optic now just because I like this rear ghost ring so much. Um, it, it's just it's pretty impressive. And if, if you don't need a full optic... They've got a little, um, or they've got a lot of different, uh, they call them the bitty dot mount. So this replaces the rear sight and then lets you put like an RMR or a red dot um, on a smaller um, rail system. Or they're making them with the footprint for like RMRs and aim points and some other um, uh, small profile red dot sights. 
um, if, if that's of interest to you. Um, they're, they're extremely well made. They're really nice looking. They've got nice anodizing. The, the slots on it are T-marked, so you know, you know which rail you got your optic mounted to in case you take it off. So the, this, what they call their bitty sight, which is about the size of my fountain pen, um, what's this made for? I missed that. Oh, so here where I've got the, oh, oh. the, the locking uh, piece for the, for the top cover, this would sit here um, where the rear sight used to sit and then allow you to run the red dot and then retain your original top cover. Um, I got you. So that might be you know used as like a backup sight if you're running an original AK-style mounted um, optic on the side of the gun. This would probably still fit in and around some of those optics. Okay. That is neat. So if you've got an AK-47 uh, and you want a, a Picatinny rail, you now have a a great way to do it. Yeah, I think I think this is the the most solid way I've seen to mount um, an optic over the bore on an AK without having to go to a scout style mount where it sits, you know, on the gas block with all that heat, um, which you know isn't isn't horrible, but um, you know probably not conducive to the best accuracy um, for a gas-operated gun like this. Neat. All right, let me move on because uh, we've got so much other ground to cover, and uh, you brought in James Bond's firearm. I did. I bet that was a trick, getting it off of him. <laughs> we'll find out about that next on Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we got Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. We've got uh, State Representative Chuck Basie, Second Amendment supporter, and Garson is in from Graf's. Uh, we've been doing show and tell. He's been telling us about this uh, AK-47 and an attachment to give it a rail. If you've got an AK, this might be something you'd be interested in. Uh, you might want to go to Graf's in Mexico or at least give them a call. But wait, there's more because we've got James Bond's firearm right here in front of us. Garson. Indeed. Um, haven't had these in quite a while, but I've got a real German Walther PPK in 380 ACP. Um, all stainless. Um, I mean, they've changed nothing on this gun in 40-plus years, 50 years. You think that's because of this, the 007 movies? It probably has helped. Um, it, it has definitely helped. Because, um, you know, when, when they made them stop carrying the Beretta, um, people, you know, you, you, you don't see those Berettas around very often at all. Okay, well, go, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go through this, because... So, all stainless, um, fixed um, front and rear sights. So they're machined into the slide. They've got little red uh, paint marks. Um, so, it's a dot over dot uh, configuration. Uh, it only has a right-handed safety on the, sl on the slide. And then the uh, traditional uh, mag release is high on the frame because, uh, you know, this was always intended as a carry gun. So, they put the mag release instead of uh, being at the... Uh, bottom of the trigger guard, it's uh, at the top of the rear of the trigger guard, up by the slide, um, where you where you'd normally like see a slide release. Um, so that's that's a little awkward for some people to get used to if they've uh, never had their hands on one of these before. But uh, the top has um, a flat machine on it where it's got um, a little wave pattern cut into it to reduce glare, since it is an all stainless gun. Um, the sides are polished. Uh, the top is kind of done in a matte finish, and then it's got that little pattern there to further reduce any glare if you're shooting out in bright sunlight. Um, 
the 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 only real difference between this and an, an original PPK is this has the longer beaver tail, so you don't get that slide bite. Um, enough people finally complained about that, and they got tired of hearing it that they finally did something, and uh, and did add about a half inch to the back of the gun uh, to protect your uh, the web of your hand from slide bite. Yeah, but it's still real easily concealable. I don't think uh, that's extreme, a, a extremely at easily all. concealable. Um, you know, and there, there's fancier stuff out there nowadays that's lighter, but um, this is just reliable and smooth and clean. And, um, you know, plastic doesn't rust, but, you know, stainless is going to be highly resistant to rust as well. And you're not going to go away from a slide or barrel that's not made out of metal. So even even a Palmer gun's not going to absolve you of any maintenance requirements. Um, so you might as well have something pretty. Um, and this one comes with two magazines. And a fancy little presentation style case. Um, it's got a nice, um, you know, embossing of their logo across the top. It, it I don't know, it, it's a little more technical looking than like a wooden presentation case, but um, it's got it's got a leather hinge at the back, which um, I thought was pretty impressive, uh, and a little leather trim around it, um, and then a fitted foam insert with a Walther's logo. Um, on the inside of the top of the case. So, pretty cool little setup, and we got that um, 840 bucks. Wow. And, I've, and I haven't seen one of these in, in years, um, new from new from Walther. And they're making them in Germany again. Yeah, Is these that are, these are they, German made. Do you know when that changed? Um, well, they, um, I, I think whatever relationship they had with Smith & Wesson dissolved a couple years ago. Um, so, yeah, all, all German... Um, no Smith and Wesson importation marks. It's they've got Walther USA now, um, so um, good, good little clean carry gun or purse gun um, with with a little uh, movie flair um, for those who like it. There you go. Uh, listen, now we were talking about California. Uh, Harley sent message. He said uh, regarding California. And by the way, if you want to send a message, just uh, send it to. Uh, uh, just go to uh, Gary on Guns and, uh, or no, just go to GaryNolan.com and you can send it right in studio. It'll be here. Uh, regarding California, if you're from out of state, you cannot buy long guns or ammo as other states. And if you're a resident of California, you cannot buy guns or ammo in any other state. Um, <clears throat> how do they keep track of that? I mean, suppose you... It, it, Drove to Las Vegas for uh, for some fun, and then uh, on your way home, stopped at a gun store and bought a box of ammo. How in the world would the folks in California know you did that? But it is a tough state to buy and sell firearms. Garson, I think you told me that uh, you guys don't even bother with uh, some parts, some uh, sales in California. Well, uh, it's not that we don't bother; it's that we can't. Um, we cannot ship ammunition to anyone in California that does not have an ammunition reseller certificate. So it, it's a thorn in our side because we get a bunch of people calling up trying to buy ammo. And they're, I don't know if they're ignorant of the law or they're just trying to get their way because they want ammo now. But we, we have a lot of arguments with California customers about why we can't ship ammo directly to them. And they have to have their dealer order it. And they have to pick it up from their dealer and do the background check that California law requires. Yeah, uh, it is a, it's just a, I just, I would not, I love the climate in California, uh, but I would never want to live there. It's just, 
it's just a wreck. Anyway, let me move on because we were talking about this, and, and I want to uh, highlight this, the uh, Gun Control Act uh, that was passed in 1968. Uh, and in it, it says uh, a banned person is someone who's under indictment for or has been convicted in any court of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a term ex uh, exceeding one year. Uh, they're talking about felons. But being accused of a crime, and we'll defer to our attorney, uh, Dale Roberts from MoGunLaw.com, is under indictment for, can deprive you of your right to own a firearm. Uh, this was uh, in Pecos, Texas. Uh, District U.S. District Judge David Counts dismissed an indictment of one Jose Gomez uh, Quiroz, who purchased a pistol while under indictment for burglary and missing court dates. At the time, he was not a convicted felon. He was only charged. So, what does this do, uh, Dale? Does, does this have impact nationwide, or? Well, it's it doesn't have any binding effect yet. It's in effect in, well, the decision came out in Texas from the federal court judge in Texas. It was not too long after that that the uh, federal, I think, Department of Justice appealed the case. Um, so I don't know if the decision was stayed or if it's still in effect. But I think it's a sign of things to come. The, the judge who decided this case said, I'm basing this on the U.S. Supreme Court decision that came out from New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, um, written by Clarence Judge Thomas, Justice Thomas. Um, and he said, you know, what we've heard before, the Second Amendment is not a second-class right, that, you know, this man has not been convicted of anything. You're innocent until proven otherwise. And uh, that, you know, that shouldn't stop him from exercising his rights. So, it, it, I, as I said, I haven't read the decision yet. I'm anxious to do that. I've read the news about it, and I think it's it's a good decision. So, uh, no person shall be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia. When in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor shall any person be subject uh, for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I just want to see if there was uh, any, anything clearer on this. It'll be interesting to see uh, it, it, what happens on appeal. Uh, but it seems that uh, if you're not guilty of a crime, if you're only charged with a crime, I mean, he could go to court and... He may be indicted, but go to court and come out not guilty. Absolutely. Uh, and he would be vulnerable. All right, so we've got uh, a whole bunch of other uh, topics that we want to get to, including the post office spying on you. All coming up on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Chuck Basie, a state representative, a Second Amendment supporter, is in the studio along with Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com, and, of course, Garson, who is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Chuck, the U.S. Postal Service monitored protesters across the country snooping on Americans focused on issues involving guns and President Biden's election. This is uh, according to records obtained by the Washington Times. The postal inspectors tracked the actions of gun rights activists gathering in Richmond, Virginia, 
people preparing to demonstrate against police in Louisville, Kentucky, after an investigation into the police shooting of Breonna Taylor and uh, far-right groups headed uh, to the District of Columbia after Mr. Biden's election. Over at the Cato Institute, senior fellow Patrick Eddington obtained the heavily redacted records detailing the postal inspector's spying from uh, September 2020 through April 2021, including through covert social media surveillance called the Internet Covert Operations Program. The records provide a rare glimpse into the breadth and depth of the post office surveillance apparatus, which Mr. Eddington said was capable of reaching into every home and business in the country. The Postal Service cannot reliably deliver mail to my own home, yet they can find the money and people to effectively digitally spy at scale, including on Americans engaged in First Amendment protected activities, Mr. Eddington said. The post office, postal inspectors, are spying on people simply because of our political opinions. I'm incredulous. Chuck, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. I, I had not heard that before, but uh, something, something we all should be uh, very concerned about, I, I think. Uh, it just seems like we're under attack from so many different fronts right now. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're going after our kids in schools, teaching them inappropriate stuff, even as young as kindergartners. And now this, um, all this other stuff going on, it's just unbelievable. The IRS and the potential there, if they get all those new agents, it's just, uh, it's, it's almost like we're losing our country. The Postal Service uh, IG, the Inspector General, said that uh, the Postal Inspector's surveillance overstepped law enforcement authority and may not have had the legal approval. <laughs> the inspectors disputed that conclusion. We determined that certain proactive searches uh, ICOP uh, conducted using the open source intelligence tool from February to April of 2021 exceeded the Postal Inspection Service Law Enforcement Authority. The Postal Service watchdogs said this in a March audit. Furthermore, we could not corroborate whether other work analysts uh, completed uh, from October 2018 through June 2021 was legally authorized. Uh, the investigation was uh, conducted at the request of the top Democrat and Republican on the House Oversight Reform Committee. This is kind of chilling, Garson. I mean, this this makes me think that we just don't have any privacy, that there's some branch of the government looking at every single thing we do, including protesting to protect our second amendment rights yeah it's it's getting real fahrenheit 451 in here 451 <laughs> yeah i mean you know the 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 privacy that we're not relinquishing for some facebook likes you know is being stripped away by everyone who can who, who can get us to visit their website or apparently send mail through Unbelievable. By the way, uh, Garson, uh, I got a request here. It said, I need a Henry Long Ranger in 308. Does our friend at Graffs have one? Thanks. Great show. I do not. Um, I did just secure a couple of 22H001, uh, yeah, 001s, uh, which we'll have here. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get a bunch of Henrys before Christmas, but they're, they're just so hard to get right now. 
Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how long it would take me to get one of those. Does, is that a great Christmas gift? Do a lot of people buy Henry rifles for their family to, for Christmas? Yeah, um, you know, back when we had them in stock all the time, I would sell ninety percent of our Henrys before Christmas for the year. Um, pro- probably the number one Christmas present um, that I that I've ever seen in a gun store. There you go. There's a it's a great idea. The, the big bore stuff is. Not quite as popular because most people are giving these to their kids or nieces or nephews or whatever. But yeah, the big boy stuff is great. But yeah, not like the the golden boy <laughs> is probably what everyone wants to give someone as a Christmas present if they're wanting to give them uh, a gun as a Christmas present. So Henry used to always advertise slash brag about the fact that all the walnut they use comes only from Missouri. Yes, and they still do that. Yeah, all okay. the, all their walnut comes from Missouri. Um, when they moved uh, part of their operations out of New York, um, we were hopeful that they were going to move here to the uh, to Missouri since they're getting their wood here. Uh, but they ended up moving to Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. Um, where they got neither their wood nor their steel. But um, um, I, I, the, I'm just glad they're out of New York. Uh, good for them. More power to them. Yeah, um, it, it, Texas uh, would be a good place. Missouri would be a good place. I was I was talking about this before. I, I think it was last week that I brought this up. Of all the places in the country for a Second Amendment supporter to live, Missouri is it. Really, with that with the Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, and and the legislature uh, filled with uh, in in many cases people like Chuck. Uh, this is really the place to be. I don't know of any other state that works as hard to protect the Second Amendment as Missouri. Uh, any of you guys have a, a different view of that? No, I think you're absolutely right. And we have graphs. Well, our Arkansas stolen one of our larger companies away from us. Um, Fioki uh, out of Ozark, Missouri is uh, relocating to Arkansas. Um, and that's a huge blow for, for us. Um, I think that was 200 plus jobs. Um, in a in a more impoverished area of the state, uh, and, and I've talked to Representative Basie about this. I'm not sure the state, and it usually is Department of Economic Development, has done as much as they could or should in terms of keeping and attracting firearms companies in Missouri and the jobs that go with them. But Gary, you're right. I mean, I, as far as legislation, you know, legally protecting our rights, I think Missouri is still number one or one of the top three, but probably number one. Yeah, I think it is number one. Um, now that we're uh, now we got Dale uh, uh, talking and chatting, we might as well <laughs> gruel him a little bit. Uh, are you familiar with? I'm sure you are, but maybe I'll just get you to explain what the Cole Law does. By the way, that's if you want to look it up on the web, it's K O H L. No. Oh, yes, you do. You do about, know. Is it about you, kitchen knickknacks? You kitchen knickknacks. Oh man. Uh, can I get some other co-hosts in here, Brian? Uh, Cole Law imposes uh, felony liability uh, on any uh, private citizen that carries a firearm for protection um, in or in their car uh, when you're in a school zone. If you're convicted of carrying a firearm... Oh. I, huh? Sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm catching up now. Uh, it was passed as Section uh, 657 of the Treasury postal uh, portion of the omnibus uh, appropriations bill 
signed into law in 1996, sets up a circle with a 2,000-foot diameter uh, around every American school within that circle with limited exceptions. You knew about it. You just forgot that it was called coal. Right. There's, you know, the Gun-Free School Zones Act or the Gun-Free Schools Act um, prohibits anyone to be within a thousand feet of the boundary of a school with a firearm. Um, and as I said, it's, it's not, you can't be on the property. You can't be within a thousand feet of the boundary of the property. But there's a specific exception in that federal law that you go through all the steps basically says if you have a Missouri permit, then it's okay. You can be in that zone. You can even walk into a school with it lawfully. I wouldn't advise it, but it's not a violation of law. But I don't know how the, the if that's changed by the Coles law by, by by that other provision. Well, I'm I'm curious about this uh, Supreme Court decision and whether or not this is still constitutional. You know, a thousand feet seems arbitrary to me. Uh, if I have the right to carry a gun, I should have the right. Out in public, out on the street, even if it's within a thousand feet of the school. I agree with you, but I will say that even the, the Heller decision, uh, District Columbia versus Heller in 2008, I think, at the U.S. Supreme Court, in that decision, um, the court said, you know, we still recognize sensitive places. Um, and there can be a debate over what is a sensitive place, but I think. I think somebody could make a good argument that schools are still covered under sensitive places. But, you know, the, the, the court has continued to move, you know, after the Heller decision, they issued uh, McDonald versus Chicago and now, uh, you know, New York State versus Bruin. And each decision seems to be moving toward a much stronger Second Amendment position and away from some of their previous holdings. So, you know, I think there are a lot of issues that are still up for grabs. I think we're going to see a lot more Second Amendment legislation now. So we have permitless carry in Missouri. And I, if I don't have a permit and I'm in my car and I drive down the street in front of a public school or any school, really, it doesn't, it just, it doesn't limit it to, uh, to just uh, public schools. And the police find out somehow I could be in trouble. I think they, ex you know, there are specific ex exceptions. For example, if you own a house next door to a school, obviously you're within a thousand feet, but you can have your firearms on your own property. But and, if you have an unloaded gun in a locked box or a locked gun rack, uh, you can't be arrested. Uh, but if the gun is loaded or if the gun rack is unlocked or if the gun is located in your glove compartment or on your car seat you can be prosecuted for a felony I, i'm i'm thinking if i'm out in the street i don't care if if, if it's uh within a thousand feet of a school or not uh, i think i'm protected but we'll we'll kick this around a little bit more in just a few seconds because we're up against the clock you're listening to gary on guns hey welcome glad to have you with us Chuck Basie is on board, state representative and uh, Second Amendment supporter. Garson is in from Graffs. He brought in a couple of really terrific firearms and one add-on for your AK that you really need to take a look at. We'll cover that ground very briefly uh, before we uh, run out of show. 
And uh, then we've got uh, Dale Roberts, uh, MoGunLaw.com. And, and, and Dale, by the way, is doing more than uh, just uh, helping people that own firearms and uh, understanding the law and, and that sort of thing. He's working with veterans, and I want him to give them a, one more plug, because if you're a veteran, you may want to know about this. Yes, we, uh, uh, Chris Dunn and I started a will clinic doing wills for free for veterans at the VA hospital the last Monday of every month. And then I'm also working two mornings a week in the veterans will know what this is in the VSO area, veteran service officers area at the VA hospital, uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings doing free legal services for veterans. And it's great work. I served in the military. So did Chuck. I always tell people, actually, I joined the Air Force to stay out of the military. <laughs> <laughs> but then after four years in the Air Force, I did six years in the Navy. So I guess I, I whatever. Uh, by the way, that will thing is important. I've just, you know, gone through an ordeal uh, with a family member. If you don't have a will, uh, things can get really wildly out of control. Uh, so if you're a veteran and uh, you're... You don't have a will. Uh, look into this because it really does make a big difference uh, on what happens uh, in the event you depart this veil of tears. We were talking about this uh, coal law, and that if you're driving, if you're in a state like Missouri where we have permitless carry, and you drive by a school, you're within a you know that that radius, that thousand foot radius. If your gun is accessible, it's against that law, uh, unless you have a permit. And I'm thinking somewhere down the road, this can end up back at the court, back at the Supreme Court, because I don't think you can make that distinction. It seems pretty arbitrary that, uh, you know, you're within a thousand feet of a school and, and suddenly you're violating the law. It, it certainly seems to infringe on, you know, the right to travel as, you know, as you see fit. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, I always tell people, get a Missouri permit and you're protected there and countless other places. And the, yep. in, the interesting thing is the legislature passed a provision a couple of years ago for extended permits, five year, 10 year or lifetime. And those don't count. Those don't count as far as where you can go in Missouri, and those don't get you any reciprocity. It's only, for some reason, it's only the five-year permit that gets you what you need. That's bizarre. Well, I think it was a drafting error. They, you know, statutes don't say if you have a permit, you can do such and such. They say if you have a permit issued pursuant to 571.101, which is a five-year permit, and when they added the extended permits instead of putting them in 101 they put them in a different section of the statutes and they didn't go back and add that numbered section to the unauthorized or unlawful use of a weapon statute to say they're exempted if that makes sense so it's something chuck basie and i tried to get fixed last year and last year was not a good year to get anything done so i'm gonna have to go after it again this coming session hopefully chuck john martin yeah, we'll have to get somebody to to carry that. Uh, that's I think that's a very important fix, and it should be should be easy to do, but um, easy said, but not easy to do. So, well, but. and there are several. I mean, there there are problems with allegedly with the from what I've heard, a highway patrol refusing to recognize expungements 
and I've asked for legal opinion on that from both the AG and the Department of Public Safety and have yet to hear back from them. It's just another wrinkle. Uh, you want to explain that for listeners? So if you, you can have a, a, a criminal offense expunged, which is to say removed from your record. And legal definition of expunge means to, to remove and completely obliterate. And the problem with Missouri's statute is that it has a sentence in there that says, you know, it's going to be expunged. Nobody will know about it. But we're going to keep a copy of it in case you get in trouble again, sort of, you know, so we can use it as a you know, second offense. And so the federal government looks at that and says, well, if you're keeping a copy of it, you haven't obliterated or destroyed it. It's not really expunged. So the federal government says we won't recognize your expungements. So you still can't buy a gun. You can't pass the background check. And some law enforcement agencies, you know, if they stop you and pull up your record, see that you still have that prior offense and say, what are you doing with a firearm because you're a convicted felon? And the expungement isn't having the effect that is intended. So it's another one of those things that needs to be fixed by the legislature. Keep pounding away at it. Well, that's, uh, you know, fortunately, we've had Chuck uh, in the uh, uh, in the state house. Uh, we're hopefully going to uh, find some others uh, who will uh, pick up the torch and fight from there. Uh, Brian, how much time do we have left? About a minute. So that'll be about enough time for uh, Garson to recap what you can buy at graphs that he brought into the studio today. Um, I didn't mention it, but we did get a 365X macro. Um, I know those are the hot ticket. Um, the SIG? Yeah, the SIG Sauer 365. It's a 17-round super compact, really. Um, but I brought in that uh, Kusa uh, KR-103 AK pattern rifle uh, made in the USA. Um, the Texas Weapon Systems optic mounts for AKs and a Walther PPK. Can't go wrong with any of that. Uh, the, the fundraiser, uh, oh, we're just at, we're out of time, but they're having a fundraiser. Police Foundation uh, of Hallsville. Yes, uh, go look it up. Guys, thanks for being with us. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.